Paul, he came and told us about the adoption. Foster, foster. Families for 40. Yeah. Um, tell Over us a, 60 people now. Yeah, that's so great, that's isn't it? It's a fantastic yeah, thing, great. yeah. So, uh, and tell us a bit more about City Life then. How's it going there and what we can pray for at the moment? There's, plenty, there's plenty to pray for, so I won't take all the time doing that. But um, City Life is a very lively and fantastic church. We've got quite a lot of challenges at the moment, however. Mm. Um, I know you feel your building is in need of repair, but we've just, uh, just about to obtain 286 Burgess Road, mm. which is the Methodist building. They're passing it to us. We're buying the house, and they're giving us the big building free. Oh, right. Okay. <laughs> Buy one, get one free. And, now, you've uh, been meeting there for a while, so you've we've kind been of there shared for it with them. Over two years, isn't yeah. it, Susanna? Yeah. yeah. Um, so it's fantastic to have a home. Yeah. But it is um, it's very leaky and uh, yeah. needs a lot of attention. Yeah. So, so two million should do it. Right, okay. Or a half, two and yeah, a half. Yeah, two and a half million, wow. So, uh, and it's come at a time, I think, when I don't know what's happening with you guys here, but for us, God's been doing a lot of things. He's repositioned a lot of people, all very healthy overseas and in different yeah. places. So we've lost a lot of, um, we've lost quite a lot of people who are doing things in the church, right. very actively yeah. anointed worship leaders and things like that. We've also lost some income. So at a time when God's opening things up left, right and center, yeah. we yeah. seem to have less than ever. So I think it's a time where we're really pressing into God and maybe you've had the yeah. same experience. He's yeah. really just causing us to depend on him and not our own resources, yeah, really. Yeah. So, that's so anything out of that process that you can at this stage share with us, or is it a bit early, things that we could learn from you in, in the process? In taking on the building? Or you're taking you're on just the... pressing into God, I think. Perhaps I think... it's something we need to learn more and the other of, thing, well, yeah. the other thing he's, he's really causing us to have to do in order to press into him is to not do it alone. And um, so we've been placed in, we've been given, in fact, you know, the use of St. Andrew Scholing, which is where... Messy Church and another new community have met there, which Paul and Susanna are very involved with. Mm. Um, but we've then got 286. And, and there's communities meeting in both those places, you know, other churches. So we're having to learn how to work mm. together, how to share, how to believe God together mm. for all the intricacies of relationships as much yeah. as anything. And of course, mm. we're part of the new community family with Billy and the guys who have four communities. So it yeah. actually pushes you into unity, which mm. isn't always easy. No, um, no. So, you know, we, we've really been having to work at faithfulness and um, things like that. So I would just say keep pressing into mm. partnerships because mm. God favors them wherever you can. And, uh, yeah, like you, we're just, we're just yeah. hanging on to his word yeah. because that, you know, despite the circumstances, that is what yeah. we are holding on to. And it's always worked before. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, so we're thinking it will yeah. work again, well, even though the scale is larger. Yeah, yeah. yeah well, yeah. we'll pray for you and that some of us can take that on board and remember you. We have a house of prayer every day. And really, we really yeah. appreciate yeah. it. Yeah. yeah, let's pray now. Dear Father, we, we thank you so much for the way that you just take us and, and lead us and provide for us as individuals, but also as communities, Lord. Thank you that you are the Lord of the church and Jesus you promised that you would build it and we we want to pray for brothers and sisters at City Life we thank you Lord for leading them into this new project and Lord you know all about the challenges and the things that uh, the way you've positioned people in different ways none of this is a surprise to you so we, we just pray that you give them peace and that that continual desire to to just push in and to go on with you and for those partnerships and Lord, we, we thank you for our fellowship with, with other churches in the city. Yes, thank Lord. you that the church is one church in this city. Yes, and that although we have different expressions, different preferences, different flavors, we thank you, Lord, that you are one Lord 
We have one faith, and we, we, we pray that we may just experience that more and more. Yes, now, Lord, would you just uh, uh, give Bev real freedom and joy as she shares your word with us today, and just fill her with your spirit. Yes, Thank Lord. you for what you've given her to share. We just pray that, Lord, we may too be filled with that same spirit, that we may be ready to hear yes, and Lord. to obey your word. So bless your servant. Thank you for her, you, and we commit this time to you in Jesus' name. Yes. Amen. Amen. Thanks. Amen. I'll just go for it now, go will for I? It. Yeah, yeah. Right, that's okay. Right, yeah. I'll need to place this here because I haven't got a nice belt or anything to tuck that in, so hopefully that will stay put. Um, what I want to say first of all is thank you for inviting me. What a warm welcome I've had. Uh, arriving here early today, such a warm welcome, nice cup of tea, and lots of smiling faces. And also, I don't know if Christine's here. Is Christine here, the administrator? Nice to put a face to your lovely emails because seriously, they were so warm. But emails from John and Christine, just really, really lovely and welcoming, made me want to come. So uh, that's great. So thank you so much for having me. You've heard a little bit about the church. It might be quite nice for you to um, see my family. That's my family. That's the lovely Clive, who is a fantastic guitarist, fisherman, and cook. He does have a job but he's a very fantastic guitarist, fisherman and cook, and he spends a lot of time doing those things. Uh, we have a very open house, and he cooks beautiful meals. Doesn't he, Susanna? He's pretty, pretty hot on that. It's my son, Nick, um, who is 30 this year. That gives something away, doesn't it? And, uh, and then Charlotte, there next to Clive. And um, I just wanted to just you to know that is my, that's not my whole family. That is my whole blood family, but actually... They now live and work in London. Charlotte is married to a Hillsong pastor called Dan. She's very involved with the church now, but her journey for the first 19 years of her life was very different, and there was a lot of prayer needed to see her come into her destiny. And although Nick started off as a young lad, we moved to Southampton, and he said to the estate agent, we're moving to Southampton because God's told us to come. And I was like, you know, okay, Nick, you know, as the estate agent looks a bit baffled. But he's since, you know, walked away, really. And, um, but he and his partner, I think, I'm believing they're coming back this year. So do, if you think of them, just pray for them. So, um, and we have a very open house. So we have a lady living with us at the moment who's making her permanent home with us. She's been on a cancer, cancer journey of this last year. She's doing well. Um, and we have lots of young people hanging around, too. So that's a little bit about me. Um, so, but here's the theme of the morning that I've been given, the healing and restoring power of God's word. So, I've been a Christian since I was 11, 46 years, do your maths, and um, I've had a difficult time sometimes, I don't know if you have, but I really had this quest to hear God. I spent a lot of my first years thinking, how do I hear God? I've heard that he's alive, therefore I can have a relationship with him through Jesus. I believed everything Jesus had done for me to make that possible. I knew he died for me. I knew he paid for my sins. I knew he gave me his righteousness and gave me eternal life. So now I was kicking into relationship with him um, in the same way that I perceived in the Bible he had a relationship with his father because that's who he joined me to. Um, But I seemed to find that it was a much harder journey. So I knew that God said, that Jesus said he only did what the Father did. He only heard and did and responded to what he heard from his Father. Um, and that he lived by every word that came from the mouth of his Father. 
So I was trying to do the same, but I was really, really struggling. And therefore, I didn't really seem to think that my feelings and actions lined up with this decision I'd taken within this relationship. Anybody else have that experience? This is just me. <laughs> so I came to a time sometimes, I actually thought, am I a Christian? You know, I seem to, I do believe, and I know Jesus has come inside me by his Holy Spirit, but actually this walk is so tough, and I seem to be doing pretty poorly on a day. Am I actually a Christian? And you get into some of these very negative thoughts. And, and, and as a young woman, um, I was really troubled by that question sometimes. I really was. But something has been happening to me over the years, and it really, in some ways, it's, it's to do with what I'm talking about this morning. And I hope, therefore, that if, this, if your journey has been similar to mine, that today there'll be something that is here for you to just build on confidence in who you are um, as a child of God. So... This scripture has been very, very helpful to my journey. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. And you'll see that knowing what God's perfect and pleasing will is is linked to our thinking. This is what this is saying. And therefore, we need to make sure that we are, our, our thinkings are aligned with God's and not everybody else's or even our own. But it's actually what does God say about us? That's who we are. That's what we need to be living from, the place we need to be living from. So I realized I had to go on this journey, really. So for an example, the Bible tells me that the Father loved me so much that he sent Jesus, John 3:16. We know that, don't we? I know that, you know that. But my life history, my past, and my past relationships and experiences led me to believe in my heart that I was an unloved person. And so when somebody in the present responds to me in in a negative way or in an unkind way, how am I going to react to that? What is it going to feel like in the moment? Am I going to be able to respond as the Bible tells me that I'm loved by God? Or will the hurt I feel... And my past belief that I'm an unloved person, will that take over in the moment? And that's the dilemma, isn't it? Because my actions will then come from there. Whatever I choose in that moment or whatever happens in that moment. And I have to say that in reality, I was driven usually by how I felt in that moment and what I believed there rather than what I knew to be true from the Bible and from my relationship with God. So something had to shift to get an alignment happening This is what, no, I think I need to, I seem to, okay, sorry. Um, I'm very bad with technology, so you will have to, you will have to suffer my odd moments there. What I realized was how I felt was having more an effect than what I knew mentally, what I understood mentally. And so... My actions were being shaped more by my emotions often than what I actually knew to be true. And so I had to look at those. Now, many people say, emotions, unreliable. Who's heard that? Maybe a few. One person can join me at the back there. That's good. You can't rely on your emotions. Okay, now that may be true on a day. That may be true. But the fact is, we don't ignore them because they affect our thinking and our actions. So something in God's economy has to, comp- you know, has to come into and include our emotional journey as well as our journey of knowledge. 
So, my beliefs from my experiences, held in my emotions, shaped my thinking, shaped my actions. And it's true that most sinful behavior is often from the place of wrong thinking and believing. And therefore, unresolved believing, unresolved pain, can trigger behaviors and thoughts and actions that are not of God. And that's what was happening to me. And it didn't matter how much I tried to be good, because we try and be good in order to change the way we believe about ourselves, don't we, and the way we think about ourselves. So we do lots of good actions for a while until we run out of steam, or until something goes wrong, and then we're right back thinking, oh, no, am I a Christian? It's no good. And I don't know if you know that kind of journey, but that has been mine. So mentally understanding that the Father loves me is not enough to change my behavior in the way that I wanted it to. I had to let him connect somehow with my heart and emotions in order to rediscover my true identity as his daughter and live like that every day. So to explain this further, I want to take one of my favorite Bible stories. So I'm just going to run through the verses of Mark 5, 24 to 34. I'll read it fairly fast, but you can see it on the screen as well. You can follow it in your Bibles. A large crowd followed and pressed round him, talking about Jesus here. And a woman was there who'd been subject to bleeding for 12 years. She'd suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors and had spent all she had. Yet instead of getting better, she grew worse. When she heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak because she thought, if I just touch his clothes, I will be healed. Immediately, her bleeding stopped and she felt in her body that she was freed from her suffering. At once, Jesus realized that power had gone out from him. He turned round in the crowd and asked, Who touched my clothes? You see the people crowding against you, his disciples answered, and yet you ask, Who touched me? But Jesus kept looking around to see who had done it. Then the woman knowing what had happened to her, came and fell at his feet and, trembling with fear, told him the whole truth. He said to her, Daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. I love this story, and it makes me love Jesus even more because he understood this woman's wretchedness and he had the full response that she needed in order to be restored. So for 12 years, she'd suffered. She'd paid numerous doctors, and they'd not found a cure. She'd been left in a position of being a social outcast. Anybody who was bleeding like she was was thought to be unclean. They were thought to be under the judgment of God. You wouldn't sit in their chair. You wouldn't eat from their crockery. You wouldn't do anything at all in relation to this woman because of her problem. So she was a woman who was totally outside of being able to relate to her community, very alone, very wretched. So why did Jesus, when she just came and took her healing, manage to sneak into a crowd for once without being spotted and sent away, just reaches out and gets her physical healing? Why did Jesus make such a scene and expose her like he did? I mean, it's extraordinary on one level, because why wouldn't he let her just retreat with her physical healing? And we, we see from this 
that when he exposed her in that moment of exposure, she was transported to the pain of the last 12 years again. And the wretchedness of those times was just living with her in that moment. She just felt that no one accepted or loved her. She just felt all these things. I'm cursed. I'm unacceptable. I'm unclean. I'm rejected. I'm an outsider. I'm unwanted. I'm unloved. And Jesus knew that her suffering was not just physical. These things that she was believing were far more of a suffering to her day by day. When she woke up in the morning and believed these things about her life, she was in more than just a physically bad way. She was in an emotional and spiritual state. And he didn't want her just to take her physical healing because the emotional healing and the spiritual healing that she needed was even greater than the physical. So this word changed everything. Daughter. Don't you love it that that's the first word he says to her when everything's stilled and everybody's looking and everybody's looking now at this woman who's wretched and what has she done coming amongst them, taking Jesus' time, making him unclean by touching his robe. This is what the crowd's thinking. And in this moment, Jesus sets it all right for her. <coughs> this word changed all the false beliefs that she had adopted over those years daughter told her this I'm acceptable I'm clean I'm accepted by God I'm in the family I'm wanted I'm loved her thinking was renewed her mind was changed because her beliefs had been changed in her emotional pain had been healed so she could think right about herself and she'd be able to continue from that place as well doing right because if we think right we do right. So this shows us that each one of us, God's children, need to experience and encounter Jesus, not just read about him. And that's why we must feel him when we read the word, as well as just read the word and understand it. We must know his presence with us as we read his word. And as we think about his word, it has to be able to have that power inside to heal and restore, just as it did with this woman. Some years ago, I was invited to speak at Camp Hill Prison, Isle of Wight. I'd never done that before. It's a male prison, and it's not terribly high security, but it looked pretty high security to me. You know, you had to really go through all these huge locked doors and checks, security checks and all the rest of it. And... Um, I was a little bit nervous. I was asked to speak uh, to whoever gathered on that morning. And so when I was preparing, I asked God, really, what, you know, what sort of thing should I be talking about to them? And he told me this, that I should say this story that I've just told you. I was like, Lord, this is a man's prison. This, this is about women's issues. But I felt that he was... There was nothing else. It just kept coming back to me. Every time I prayed about what I should do, it came back to me that I should talk about this story... So on the morning we went, and uh, I was prepared by the chaplain there, now make sure that you stand in the doorway and be ready to greet people, but only if they greet you do you greet them. 
and look them in the eye. Don't look shifty. And make sure you don't touch your mouth when you're speaking at all because that is a sign of lying. So I was all a bit jittery. <laughs> you know, and um, anyway, I stood there and 36 men entered the chapel and two shook my hand and looked at me at all. The rest just went straight past. So I thought, right, right. <laughs> so uh, I got up and I started my talk and I told them about this woman. And then I said, I don't know what you look, when, when you look at yourself in the mirror, maybe when you're combing your hair or you're shaving in the morning, I don't know what you think about yourself. Do you feel unclean and unacceptable? Do you feel cursed by God and cursed by life? Maybe you are full of the same self-hatred that this woman was full of. But this is what God wants you to know this morning. In his eyes, you're a son. And I knew that if they could take that into their hearts and believe differently about themselves, then they would do differently and their lives could be transformed. Now, I can't tell you that they all fell on the floor and said, what must I do to be saved? They didn't. But I know that as I stood in the doorway as they left, every single man shook my hand, looked me in the eye and said, thank you. So I have hope that some seeds were sown that day. We all need to know in our hearts who we really are. And if we will allow Jesus to tell us that we are a son and a daughter into our deepest heart place, it changes everything. Now, we know that scripture in the Greek is known as the Logos. Yeah, I'm sure you've had that over the last few weeks as well. Well, Jesus himself in the scripture is also known as the Logos. The Holy Spirit is known as the Rema, word of God. And Rema and Logos are both the eternal living word of God. So when we connect with the Bible, as we're reading, when we connect emotionally and spiritually and with an openness that is there to receive from God, we can encounter Jesus through the Holy Spirit and he can transform our believing and thinking. And that's how we should come to the word. We should come open to feel it, to think about it, to know that God is going to do something in us that is going to make us more aware than ever that, than we're, that we are a son and a daughter of his with a full inheritance. There's a way of reading the Bible. Have I just gone past this? I don't know if I've just gone past this. No, that's fine. Sorry. There's a way of reading the Bible called Lectio Divina, which means holy reading. I like to call it all-in reading. You're going to read it with your heart. You're going to read it with your mind. You're going to just let it do something. And I encourage us to just read scripture like this. Pray and ask God to speak directly to your heart and soul through it. And then maybe just take a few verses, read them, slowly, either out loud or in your, in your mind, and just be aware of what, is what God is highlighting to you as you read it. Maybe underline it, a little part that sticks out, 
And then ask God what he wants you to know about that. And he can bring this word alive to you and to me so that it can do something life-giving in us. We can connect in this way. Okay. I think what's happened is I've lost some of my slides. (laughs) I think that's what's happened. You did warn me it might happen. So we'll just have to carry on regardless. That's fine. Hebrews 4.12 says, For the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. So therefore we have a living word when we connect with it like this, something that is active and sharp and can, and can know how we're feeling inside. Know what we need from God in that moment. It's alive, it's active. So I encourage us to take time to let God sink his truth into our heart in our deepest places, particularly our places of pain, particularly our places where we believe things about ourselves that don't line up with the truth, that we're a son or a daughter of the king. With that Lecto Divina um, reading, I do that with the people at the streets community. Barry and Jane know some of those streets community people, don't you? You come down there sometimes. Um, we meet after the community cafe that works for some of the homeless people and some of the vulnerable people, and is, and it's, but it's just a place for the community to gather for a meal on a Sunday down at Central Hall. And then we have a little group afterwards for anyone who wants to come. And people tip in in all sorts of conditions. You know, people tip in a bit drunk sometimes. They tip in very distressed and alone. Um, But we have a core of people who, for them, it's their family. They don't all believe yet, but for them, it's their family. And they come, and we do Lectio Divina. We do it with them, and we just open up a scripture... And we say, what do you think God wants you to know from this as we read it? Just underline something that stands out to you. We'll just take a little bit and they'll underline it. And then we'll go around the room and we'll say, okay, what does it mean to you? So I think one day we did something like, come to me, all of you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. And some of the guys who are not yet saved said, I can just feel this picture of Jesus with his arms open to me saying, come to me. And it's just, you know, it becomes alive in the moment to them. They still haven't gone for it. (laughs) So pray for them. But they're on their journey. I'm on my journey, aren't I, Bev? Yes, you are. Yes, you are. So it's great to use with non-Christian people yet who who don't know Jesus personally yet because it speaks. It's alive. It's active. Jesus comes through its pages when we're willing to connect emotionally and spiritually with that word. He's there to draw people to himself through it, so share it around. So, as we see from this story today, there are deep places that he can meet in us, and we can encounter Jesus' living word when we look in the Bible. And when we know body, soul, and spirit that we are sons and daughters of God, we will change the world as we know it. And... When I was praying for you, I felt that I wanted to share a scripture that's very precious um, to me particularly and to City Life in a way. Um, and here it is. This is the word I got. And I've, I hope you'll just forgive me. Instead of a Jew, which is obviously a, a believer of the day because it's an Old Testament passage, I've put son or daughter of God in there instead. 
This is what I think God wants you to know. That in these days, actually, 10 people from all languages and nations will take firm hold of one son or daughter of God by the hem of his or her robe, and they will say, let us go with you because we have heard that God is with you. And when we are connecting with the word of God, when we are healed up, body, soul, and spirit, and knowing we are children of God, it communicates more than we ever realize. And people will want to walk with us, and they'll want to talk with us about God, because they can see that he's in our lives, and he's making a difference. And I I trust if that isn't already your experience, it will become so. And if it is already your experience, it will grow, because I think God is wanting to grow us. And each one of us has a part to play as a son and daughter of God in that respect. So, would you be happy if I prayed that? Okay. Lord, I thank you that your word is living and active. And it renews what we think and believe about ourselves. So that we can live as the sons and daughters of God that we truly are. And as your children, Lord, our lives can be a display of your love and grace. And we can make you visible in the world. And I pray that every person here would have many wanting to walk with them because people can see that God is with them. And for anyone here, Lord, who doesn't yet know you, I pray that you'd reveal yourself to them today and through your word increasingly. Heal them, restore them, and show them that they are a beloved son and daughter in your family. And we all together said, Amen. Okay. I have done a little sheet for your connect groups or small groups or house groups, whatever you call them, including a bit of a Lectio Diviner and a little question or two about today. So I hope they'll be useful to you in your groups. Thank you.